Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much, as always, for your company on the podcast. Let's say up front, we are currently looking for a new sponsor. If you'd like to partner with us, reach out to me via the usual channels. So, the domestic season's underway in the BBL and the WBBL, the Women's World Cup final this weekend down under, but it's only a few weeks since the end of the international season within Europe. A bit of doom and gloom, of course, for Great Britain at Eurobasket, but let's, let's say this out loud. One Brit made it all the way to the Eurobasket final in Berlin. It was the role of FIBA match commissioner. I can hear you asking, what on earth is that? Well, let's let's ask. Let's ask our most successful basketball export of the summer. Welcome to the MVP cast, Martin Ford. Thank you, Mark. It's nice to be here. Um, yeah, so the, the role of the FIBA commissioner, mm. the match commissioner. Um, so it's to, to oversee the game, to make sure that... Um, it's played in accordance to the, the FIBA rules and regulations. The main role is actually to do with the table officials and to support the table officials, um, to make sure that there's no errors uh, when it comes to documenting what's happening on the court and the information that's being given given to us by the match officials, the referees. Um, but at the same time, also to support the referees. So... Um, Whilst at Eurobasket, we, we had the opportunity to use the IRS, the instant replay system, uh, in a lot of the regular season competition games, we don't have that facility. So, you know, if there's a, a, an incident on the court and the referees are a little bit unsure or they may need some support, um, then they're able to come to me as the game commissioner, um, ask me questions. Uh, I'm also able to to speak with the table officials um, to try and help and support, as I said, in those occasional some difficult situations. Uh, for example, it could be whether the ball touched the ring um, on, a, on a shot and the end of a shot clock. If there's been some sort of a, a scuffle or a potential uh, act of violence or fight situation and you know, as commissioner and, and table officials, one of our roles there would be to just check the benches, uh, see whether or not people have left the bench area to get involved in those, you know, situations that are very occasionally, I have to say, occur in a game. What's the, um, I guess, the level of pressure like in this sort of role, particularly this Eurobasket, because you know, we've, all, we've all talked about it. It was probably the most star-laden Eurobasket that we've had. You know, you've got NBA talents, big NBA talents there who, you know, yeah, let's pick a name out at random. Say you look at Doncic and maybe you like the odd conversation with a referee here. Um, you know, there was all sorts of, I think, pressures probably to, to get things right. Um, was that felt from within the inside as much as it kind of looked from the outside yeah without a doubt i mean um you know again there's been criticism about the referees and level of referees um you know they they are our best in europe uh from a fever competition point of view um my personal opinion is 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 they're excellent referees we we kept a record of um correct calls and, you know, we were above the 90% for for the competition as a whole. And, you know, when, when you look at it, 100 and, um, I'm trying to think how many, how many games there were, uh, you know, but 12 days of competition, um, you know, hitting 90% and, and actually above 90% is, is pretty good. But without a doubt, you know, we the spotlight was on the referees and therefore um, as the commissioner, um, you know, certainly there was more pressure than normal. Um, you know, if you take, for example, that, you know, I was aware of uh, the last two digits of the game clock every time the ball hit the ring or the ball went through the hoop. So, again, 
whilst we do have the um, the luxury really of the IRS just knowing what the time was as I said when the ball hit the ring possible reset or obviously um, you know the opposition getting the ball and being able to look and recognize that the the game clocks starting and stopping at the right time the the shot clock starting stopping at the right time simple things like um, substitutions you know and, and also being ready for coaches to to want that last minute timeout and being able to recognize and I think from a personal point of view with my experience obviously as as player and also a coach I kind of got that I almost want to say an understanding of I, I kind of realize and recognize when a coach might want that that very quick or very late depending which way you look at it time out after a basket's been scored or after a situation so being able to support the table officials with that and being able to communicate and get that um, that horn hit at the right time uh, was very important and again you know we we had some situations where some uh, unfortunate situations happened let's say and <clears throat> You know, it was for uh, all of us as a, as a group of commissioners. There was eight originally and then four went to the final phase. You know, I, th I think all of us really did a, a really good job in supporting for the game, you know, what, what was needed and what was required. How much has that, that knowledge built? Well, let's talk a bit about the journey. We'll go back. You were, you were a player. Um, you played for England. You played, you know, predominantly for for Derby when it, you know, it was in the B BBL, and you you also coached at Leicester Riders back in the day. Um, but in this kind of second, we'll we'll talk playing days and get some nostalgia going. You know, in a while. <laughs> but <clears throat> when you come out of this, and you you worked obviously with the BBL as a kind of referee supervisor. But what's what's the kind of journey that takes you into? this particular role because i think a lot of people won't appreciate that the bbl did used to have commissioners the role was yep. done away with so you know, there was a, probably a, a pathway there how did you get into this grand grand career at you know that's that's come along your way it's really it, it i i often sit and you know pinch myself a little bit because you know uh, uh, a big slow white guy from nottingham that that played a little bit and um, you know, certainly wasn't a star. I had, you know, I, I kind of accepted the role of what I was able to do on the court to support and help my teammates. Um, you know, but then, then obviously I got into the coaching side and that really came about quite early on. I knew that I was going to, uh, want to coach. Um, I've always wanted to help and support young people. And, uh, initially that's where my coaching started. Um, as I said, then at the end, you know, I, I had one year at, at Derby. Um, then I supported Nigel Lloyd for five years at Milton Keynes. Um, and then whilst doing that, I also took the role at Loughborough University and, and kind of built their basketball program into a national league program. Whilst they were very successful at the university level, that they weren't into that um, national league. So we took them into national league. And, and I really do have and still have a passion for coaching, working with, you know, 12, 15 young players and, and getting them all to kind of almost point in the same direction has always been the challenge to, to create a good team. So, you know, I'd say I coached at, at Loughborough. Uh, I, had, I did that one year at Leicester. When that kind of all kind of fizzled out, I was, I was kind of just, you know, going and watching games and then one one game afterwards um a, a referee came to me and said martin how do you think i did as a referee and I, you know as as we try to we try to give him a little bit of honest uh, opinion and it was a young referee just getting you know starting on his journey and and from that i i contacted basketball england and said you know would you like me to to do some observations of referees um it was very much along the line at the time where I was looking more about how the referee communicated with players, how they communicated with the, 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 um, the, the coaches. And it was more along that lines than the actual 
knowing of, of positions and, um, and and everything else. Because, again, as a player, you know, roughly I knew where the referees were going to kind of be. I needed to know that so I could kind of cheat a little bit maybe sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, but, but from there, you know, um, Basketball England, uh, you know, liked the way the feedback that I was giving to the officials. The officials found it beneficial uh, for not only getting that referee objective, but getting it from, you know, how a player might think about a certain call that happens at one end and doesn't happen at the other, and how important communication is in that uh, that part of the game. So I, I worked from there, and, and then um, you know, 2011, they contacted me. They said, you know, there's a spot for a, a FIBA commissioner would you like to be put forward? And of course, I mean, like a dream come true, really. Um, so, you know, I, I, I had to do a lot of, uh, online testing. Um, we had a weekend in, um, I think it was Munich for Amber rightly. And again, did a load of tests while I was there and, and was, um, given a license for two years and it's really just developed from there. So, you know, having that good understanding of the rules, um, Without a doubt, I had to learn the regulations. And, you know, it started slowly. My first summer tournament was um, in in North Macedonia. And, again, that was a, a kind of shock to the system. Extremely hot, uh, no air conditioning in the gyms. Um, you know, having to wear suits every day. and But the experience and listening and working with the, the referee instructors that were there really just increased my, my desire to, to improve and to uh, ultimately do the best job that I possibly can and, and represent myself the best I can, represent Basketball England and ultimately GB Basketball. And, and that's been the driving force forwards from there. Then in 2015, um, FIBA started the... Uh, the new kind of style of, of uh, World Cup qualifiers. And there was an opportunity there, again, after doing, you know, certainly well over 150 hours of online learning and online tests, there was an opportunity to, to become one of the first 101 technical delegates um, in the world. And, you know, FIBA Europe at the time we were put in um, or there was an opportunity to have 50 in FIBA Europe and because FIBA Europe's the, the largest region mm. within the world. Um, so again, you know, I, I, I kind of put myself forward in there and again, a lot of learning, a lot of, um, you know, new things because the, the technical delegate role, you know, you, you've got to have an understanding of the, the TV and the marketing and the press and because it's looking after the, the whole event for and, and ultimately rep, being FIBA representative for the whole event. And again, the end point of that is you're also the commissioner on the game. So again, let's say, you know, um, a real privilege to be, to be given that role. Um, so again, you know, being involved in the, the, uh, world cup qualifiers, um, and, you know, just progressively over the years, I, I guess in, in, you know, I don't, I don't want to be blowing my own trumpet here, but, you know, trying to be as professional as I can be, uh, making sure that reports are done on time, making sure that the reports that go uh, about the referees, because that's one of our roles as a, a commissioner during the regular season, um, are useful. So, again, you know, I, I use my my knowledge of, of the game generally and uh, comment on, on the referee's performance. Um, and, you know, just, just as I said, trying to be as professional as possible and making sure I'm, I'm keeping up to date with all the, the new rules, regulations, and, you know, the rule changes that are happening. And, you know, being, almost being a, um, somebody that's going to try and resolve an issue rather than just giving out a fine I mean, because you, you mentioned some of those real changes and some of that has been driven by the tech 
and you know, we don't in this country use the tech quite as much yet. It'll, it'll come. We know it's all going to come. We've seen it in, in football. How much do you think that has has maybe changed the way these things come? Obviously, back in your playing days, I, I you know I remember that it was paper stats. Now it's you know it's digital, and that's yeah. that's the small examples. Yeah. But you know the cutting edge now is is replay centers and 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 you know the the remote observations and things like that. How does that shift? Maybe for good, but there might be there may be you know downsides to this. How does that shift the way you think those teams work together to be effective and I guess you know contribute seamlessly to the game with with in a way that you know the seamless contribution is when you're not really seen. Yeah, I mean that's that's always should be a priority for the referee. You know, you're there to um, maintain order and you know. Uh, make sure the the game is played within the rules uh, of the game. But it's about trying to be inconspicuous also within that. And I don't know. I mean, as you say, there's definite pros because in the end, we want the correct call. And and that's that's probably the biggest benefit of the instant replay system, uh, certainly that we used uh, during the Eurobasket. The technology that you know, we now see that clubs are using and in, in breaking down um, how the opposition play and everything else. They also, you know, some clubs, certainly over in Europe, and um, it wouldn't surprise me if some of the clubs here in, in the UK, look at how referees officiate, how they deal with conflict situations. Obviously, you know, it's, it's easy when there isn't any, but those challenging calls you know charge block is always one that you know is is contentious often and you know that can simply be purely by you know the smallest of angles that that different people see it at the coach compared to an official so the the positives is is the you know and again you've got a there's an understanding that not every call we're able to go to the IRS for. Some of those more challenging situations is a foul, a personal foul or an unsportsmanlike foul. Then, you know, again, that can be uh, can be reviewed and looked at. And I think that's important, especially as, you know, as you know, two unsportsmanlike fouls and you're out of the game. Um, so I think it's important that we use that, but I, Again, I got the feeling during Eurobasket occasionally we I don't want to say we officiated by the IRS, but I think I think everybody was was wanting to do such a great job. A few times we probably used the IRS where actually normally we would just make that decision. But I say, you know, when you go back, what was the pressure? I think that's where the officials saw some of the pressure. You know, the, the game, I, I try to say to the table officials, for us on this table, this is the same game as the, the thousands of games that you've refereed, that you've table officialed over your careers. Really, there's no extra or nothing different that we need to be doing. If we communicate well, if we're talking to each other, if we're supporting each other, you know, simple things of one of the things that I ask for, for with my table officials is if you see the ball hit the ring, then then you just shout out hit, you know, so that everybody knows that the ball's hit and we need a reset because, again, it's about angles depending on where you're sitting on the table, depending where the ball's shot from, sometimes it's very difficult to actually judge, did that ball hit the ring? And there was actually one in the final where, unfortunately, from our angle on the table, none of us saw the ball hit the ring. However, technology, because as the game was stopped, up on the cube... There's the, uh, the the camera angle from above the basket that shows the ball hit. So, yes, without a doubt, there's a lot of positives from the new technology. 
but there can sometimes be situations that will make it challenging for the official and and that as an example being one you know depending on what the production company are showing on a cube or on a screen can put additional pressure on the referees without a doubt you i mean <clears throat> glamour glamorous the eurobasket is i mean you your calendar packs up during the year it's not not just this one big tournament you know you've you've had a summer on the road where you're doing junior games or world cup games and i'm sure now with european club competitions starting up again you'll, you'll be on the road i mean descri- describe a typical month for you now because you know you've you're you're in demand as a you know as a top commissioner um well it's interesting because i've, I've actually had to turn a game down um so i was offered uh, to do a game a euro cup women's qualifier game next week in the Azores. Uh, unfortunately, I had to turn it down because, as you said, I, I've been, I was away from uh, the 12th of August pretty much until the end of um, the Eurobasket, which was a week last Monday. Um, but I still have to do work in the UK. So currently, uh, but it is dropping down. Currently, I work um, three days a week with some young apprentices that go out and um, most of them work for football clubs and they go out into the community into to primary schools and deliver lunchtime and after school PE lessons and uh, sport activities. So I, I currently work with those, I say that is reducing purely because of the additional games that I now get in Europe. Um, so a, a normal week um, last year, I was out probably, I think it worked out at just under three games a month. So three out of every four weeks, pretty much I I had a game. So that's leaving the UK sometime on Tuesday, um, depending on where I'm flying to and the, you know, how good the flights are. So I leave sometime Tuesday, Uh, Wednesday morning, I first of all meet with the referees at breakfast. Uh, make sure everything's okay with them, collect their expense forms. I then go to the arena. I check that the arenas or the advertising is correct or the table official equipment's working properly, make sure the the facilities for the away team and the officials are to regulation. Um, I meet with the away team first because generally they will practice in the morning first. Mm. Um, So I, I meet with them. I, I do a, a uniform check. I then go through all their passports and their licensing documents to make sure they match the ones that I've been sent from the FIBA office. Um, I do the same then with the uh, the home team. Um, I go check the away team hotel on my way back to my own hotel, uh, where most of the time I'm fortunate enough to meet with the referees uh, for lunch. I then normally try and catch up with a little bit of uh, UK work. Um, I say catching up with apprentices via Zoom meetings. Um, if I've done some endpoint assessments of apprenticeships, then I'm, I'm writing those up. Um, because normally in the afternoon, the referees have a nap. Um, then, you know, leaving for the game at six, we, we get to the game. Uh, I meet all the table officials, um, complete the game get everything signed at the end and then back to the hotel for a, a late meal. Um, and, and then what I normally do is try and get all my paperwork done before I go to bed. So um, that could be creating some clips for the referees because uh, I, I make notes throughout the game, make some clips for the referees to have a look at and send them those, do my reports, so the general game report and also the referee report and get those sent to uh, the various people that need them. Uh, Often that'll mean probably getting to bed around one. And then again, depending on flight times, up on Thursday, uh, breakfast, and and then back into the UK. Um, Then, of course, we we get the weekend games with uh, the BBL, WBBL and Basketball England. Um, And again, that's on a... Uh, availability so I, I've put my availability in up until Christmas 
and then it's a case of um, those who nominate to games uh, send me to games and again that's uh, nationwide I'm, I'm happy to travel um, you know so that I can see different officials and also to make it a little bit easier for as I say both the BBLW, BBL and uh, Basketball England um, referee supervisors to, to be able to cover games all over the country so you know my wife loves watching basketball and uh just as well yeah it is yeah it's happy to sit in the car and then sit and watch a game uh slight change this year because my my eldest grandson has started playing under 14 basketball and obviously i want to try and support him as much as possible um so saturdays are a little bit more constrained um you know but but even so we're, we're still able to get around um and also you know, because I'm um, still involved with the East Midlands and the Regional Management Committee and still organising and running basketball coaching courses. Um, you know, so, yeah, life's um, life's busy, but it's, it's great. Um, you know, as I said, when I was 15, my, my dream was to go to America. I was fortunate enough to do that. Um, and then, of course, came back and played. And just now, just... Bas basketball's in my DNA you know I'm just grateful that I can still support the game that has given me so much you know and again sometimes people question you know it's the gamekeeper or the, the poacher turned gamekeeper uh, kind of scenario um, you know would, would I have thought as a player that I, I will now be helping educate referees probably not you know but um that's that's just the way that it's the the path has taken me and it's um you know a path that i am thoroughly honored to uh to being given the opportunity to do and and continue to do is it is there a sort of a battle there or was there a battle you know, you, come on, you can you can be honest on this you're a former player you weren't a ref they asked you to head up the refs you're telling the refs what they should and should be doing did you have to convince the refs that a player knows what a ref should be doing? Um, so the, the the role of the BBL supervisor is is an exceptionally challenging position for <laughs> anybody. Um, ultimately, it's more than a one person job, and and that is what's happening now. You know, three people are are running that now, and without a doubt, it needs that. Um, you're always you're always going to get those people that, you know, because you haven't been a top level official, you will always get some officials that probably don't give you the level of respect that maybe just the just the amount of basketball knowledge and experience from a broad point of view, um, probably you should you should receive, but without a doubt, you know to to get that respect it has to be earned and and you know I, I don't believe that you know just because I work for FIBA as a commissioner that that means that I'm better than anybody else I'm, I'm I don't I try not to be that way I hope I'm not that way um you know ultimately in that position that I had and held for whatever it was four or five seasons my only goal was to try and help the referees become better um, and, you know, and, and not only just, just the referees, but, it, you know, the, the whole officiating and, and the whole, it's, it's not just about what happens on the court. It's the whole idea of professionalism. So, so if I can give you an example, when, when I took the, the Leicester Riders coaching role, um, it, it certainly wasn't a huge amount of money. In fact, you know, if the fuel prices were what they are now, it probably would have cost me to coach there for a year. <laughs> that's, that's irrelevant. You know, I, there's no, it's, it's not sour grapes, it's irrelevant. The one thing I did ask and, and was put in place, I asked that in the, the referee's locker room, there would be some, some fruit, some, some water, some, some juice, maybe a pack of sandwiches, 
there'll be some towels and there'll be some like hotel toiletries and 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 that was one of the requests that i made when i was coach of lesser riders and and they did it and for me that's that's what i you know that's that's part of being being that that lead within that club at that time that was really important to me you know i asked for for water and fruit and fruit to go into the opposition changing rooms again because for me that's a standard that that i wanted at the time my club let's say i i that's that's the the image that i wanted to give for our club and you know again don't get me wrong within the the bbl supervisor role without a doubt i made some mistakes and and i'm happy to hold my hand up and say yeah i didn't do that well enough but i do believe there was other elements that i requested our officials to do that would have supported their development and some did it without a doubt the largest portion took it on as actually yeah it's a little bit more than probably the last supervisor asked us to do but it's being asked for to help us improve and you know again from my my side that was that's that was my aim and objective is to to make us better because if if the referees are a little bit better the, the game should be a little bit better and you say mistakes i mean obviously we all learn from what we do and you know, so there's hindsight what what would you do differently or what do you think you know where could the changes even now you know where, where could when you you know we look at the bigger picture there's not in in fiba competition there's not a British referee at the minute that's operating at the top level. I know Ed Udansky's doing some Euroleague, which is great to see. But um, what do you think needs to improve, especially now we've got some investment? So, you know, the referees, I'm sure, would like a piece of this pie um, to raise the bar. Um, where can we be better at bringing our top refs through to be top, top refs in the international stage? I think I think we need to, to go all the way back to how we how we initially educate our our young referees um i think you know by the time by the time our referees get to um you know the top of of the b the be groups and you know then pushing into the bbl and then then trying to move forward to fiba I think we need to start earlier and expect more, uh, but but we need to we need to educate them, I think, better at that younger and, and earlier stage, where you know the the basic mechanics and the basic movement and the the body type that that you need to be trying to create, because ultimately you know the the, the FIBA, the Euroleague officials, um, you know, our our top officials are athletes and they have to be athletes. You know, we, we can't be just, a, you know, having just a good understanding of the game might not be good enough anymore. We, we also need to have the athleticism <clears throat> to be able to get into those correct positions early so that we can, you know, make... A, a correct decision while stationary and I think for me you know watching some of our officials now we you know FIBA expect their 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 referees to sprint from the center position to the to the center position during a transition uh, from offense to defense or defense to offense whichever way you want to look at it we we don't really i don't think we really push that enough as that is that is the requirement for you to do not actually that you know the guards just walking the ball up the floor i'll walk up the floor with him actually if there's if there's no need for you to be helping because there's no pressure there's no you know full court man to man or anything like that actually your role is to be in the correct position for when the action does start to happen. 
so so i think there's i think there's some of it's around education i think it's also very difficult for some of our officials because basketball in the uk as an official as with 90% 95% of players it's it's more than a hobby but it's not a job mm-hmm. you know so you know i i know i i've got referee friends and you know that that i know quite well in fiba if if they get a fiba game midweek and they do a couple of games in their their home country over the weekend some of them may earn almost like a month's salary in that week and and therefore they can be full-time referees mm-hmm. we don't have that luxury um you know here here in the uk um you know there's, there's just no way that, that an official could uh, effectively earn enough money to to be able to live comfortably so that does put an extra pressure on us you know i, I was talking to guys um you know eurobasket even some of the smaller countries their officials travel the day before to to a game you know you you imagine saying to you know martin ford oh martin you know you, you've got a game in plymouth tomorrow or or even you've got a game in leicester tomorrow okay but you need to be there tonight and we're going to put you up in a hotel and you know we're going to pay for this that and the other we're we're not in that that situation to be able to do that so again a lot of our officials will on a friday work until mid-afternoon you know if, if you're in education you work until three o'clock three thirty you've then got to maybe get home or at least have your your basketball uniform and everything with you to then travel to a game to arrive at a game i don't know 90 minutes two hours before the game um that in itself is a challenge you know certainly if it's a, a relatively long drive everybody knows how bad the the road systems are on a friday motorways are clogged up it only takes a small incident and now the pressure's really on you, you know, and, and you don't want to arrive late. You're getting a bit, a little bit anxious to then be able to get yourself in that refereeing mode in a sh- relatively short amount of time is a challenge. And again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit here as I'm making excuses, but it, but it's reality. Do you, you think, know? I mean, if we're talking big picture here about improving the standard of BBL and WBBL comes in off the back of that. Do you think we need to be in a situation where those refs can be full time, that and then and they're getting you you seen the backup they get in the ACB or the Italian league or the the German league from you know the federation and the leagues themselves? I mean, it is can can we really strive to be this top league in Europe if we don't arrive at a situation? Yeah, it might be five years, but that investment comes that the refs can be you know as professional as the players that they're asked to officiate. Yeah, I, I, I think I think there's got to be. There's all you, there's, you've always got to have an ambition. And and I think as a, you know, a federation, I think, and, and don't get me wrong, I think there's a lot of other things that maybe needed to be sorted first. But I, I don't want to get into that side of it. But you know, without a doubt, if if you want your players to be better, you practice more, you educate them more whether that's on the court, off the court. If we want our referees to be better, we have to be able to give them that high-level education, which which I think we can. I I think we've got some of the best referee educators in Europe here in the UK. Mm. Okay, without a doubt. You know, if if you look at, you know, the people that created a lot of the... um, the, the education that is now being done by FIBA was created by people in the UK. So so we've got the educators. We've got to find a way of, of creating time, not only for those educators, but also for the officials to be able to be educated and then to be able to 
put what they're learning into high level games. And again, for me, I think there's been a huge jump in the quality of the BBL this year based on five games that I've seen and, and parts of games that I've seen so far this season. I think, you know, people th over the summer have thought that, you know, maybe it's going to be a one horse race. I think I think London probably will win the league, but I don't think it'll be the, the runaway that other people think it is. And I think below that, there's going to be some amazing games. I think I think the majority of teams have really recruited very highly. I think um, there's a, a new buzz around the league. You know, the um, Know Your Name, I think, is a, is a great marketing uh, strategy that they've done. I think that, along with the success from the three-on-three -three at the Commonwealth, I think there's a huge buzz, and I think we've... We've now got to to find a way of of creating a I don't want to say a legacy because that's that's not the right word but we've we've got to find a way of of helping support our officials a little bit better and as I say it's not going to happen overnight I think we've got some great people ready to work and and say some of the top educators in Europe are are British people, but we've just got to find a way of how can we, how can we create some time, and that might be, um, you know, the, the way that we structure the league. It might be the way that we, you know, we, we might need a, a a set day every every month where actually there's no games, and, and we can use that to educate referees, um, however it's going to be. But we've got the people. I think we need, um, we certainly need the ambition to, to want to try and get our officials to be uh, full-time, you know, certainly a portion of them to be full-time. Um, we've, you know, and I think, I think, I think we've, got the, we've got the infrastructure. We need something that, without a doubt, we need some finance to to help or to allow that infrastructure to be used. Let's finish up with something that's a bit, bit less referee centric, but we talk about finance and there's a guy you could tap up who's got loads of money because he gets paid loads of money in the NBA because he's won a championship. Um, Nick Nurse, back in the day, um, <laughs> people will forget you were Nick Nurse's mini bus driver. I think that's, you know, that's, that's one time that's been thrown around because when, you guys were at Derby together. Nick was this 22-year-old off the boat um, yeah. who, who came into this league. And look at him now as you know, a yeah. superstar in the making. Um, give, give us your memories. What, what was your first impressions of this young hick from Iowa who rocks up in, in the Midlands thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the basketball world one, one league at a time? Yeah, I mean... Um... And I, I don't remember the, the actual initial meeting um, as it was. Um, Chris Squire obviously had a big uh, influence and, and Tim Rudging getting Nick here. The, the biggest thing I remember from that season was Nick was Nick was so pedantic about some of the things that he wanted us to do. You know, I'd, I'd played for many coaches that were you know, and again, don't get me wrong, really high class, great coaches. Um, you know, yeah, Martin, we need you to be kind of there. Okay. Well, where's, where's kind of there? Well, you know, just kind of there. Whereas Nick was very much, this is the exact spot that I need you to be on. And if you're not on that exact spot, that's going to make it more difficult for everything else. So spacing effectively was, was really um, critical for Nick. And, and he was, he was that type of coach. He was very precise. Um, we did a lot of work after Christmas on end of play situations where, you know, one of whoever was, was sat out at the time was on the clock and, he'd, and he would put us in scenarios, you know, 
you've got X number of fouls, team fouls, you're down by five, you've got, you know, three minutes to go, play. And obviously you've got to remember he was also playing at the same time because he was player coach. And um, I think those situations that, that he, he put in there, for me, really showed the level that he was thinking at. So his idea of doing those kind of end of play situations was very much, I'm going to be on the floor. We need to be able to adapt and work as a team to overcome something because many times I'm not going to be able to direct you from the sideline. Um, you know, so we, we work through those situations. I say, certainly after Christmas, probably 30 minutes of, of every practice was down to that. But I say it was obviously he was a great player himself, um, you know, and, and we had some great players on, on that team when Nick was here. But it was his, uh, I can't say personally, it was that he, he ever did anything special for me, not that I needed anything special, um, you know, but w when we would drive to games, he would always sit in the passenger seat. Um, as you said, I was the minibus driver and that, that was perfectly fine. Um, but he, he, he wanted to know you as a person as well as a basketballer. And I think that is really important. I think even now when you, you hear him at interviews and everything else, it, it sounds as though he still very much knows his players personally rather than just as a basketball player. And, and I think having that understanding of people will allow you to get the most out of them and, and the best out of them. But certainly his, his attention to detail is, is the biggest thing I remember of Nick. He's also a bit of a muso. Was there ever sort of sing-alongs on the bus where Nick whipped out his instrument and led everyone and, you know, I'm going to say come yeah. out yeah, but something cooler than that. Yeah, occasionally. Occasionally we had that. Um you know, at the time, um, you know, say we, we, we were pretty successful under Nick and, um, you know, most of the, the games were, uh, or the, most of the trips home were enjoyable, let's say. There wasn't too many where we, we kind of sat in silence. Um, but yeah, as you say, you got to remember, he was 22, 23 years old. You know, he was um, one of the youngest, you know, on our team but also still leading us. And again, I don't think it was just because, oh, he's an American, he will know more than us. He, without a doubt, his understanding of the game was exceptional. Um, and I say, you know, I, I think it's fantastic where he's got to, um, you know, and also, you know, we can't forget Chris Finch is also, you know, leading a team in the NBA now. And again, I, you know, I remember playing against Chris uh, and coaching against Chris. Um, so, you know, in fact, Chris is the only team that I didn't beat when I was coaching at Derby. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, you know, it's um, it's it's just incredible, um, you know, Nick's journey. And um, as I said, from, from my perspective, I, th I think it's just tremendous. And, um, you know, I think it was also very good that that in a lot of his interviews he he gave a good impression of of british basketball which is where he started and again i think that's that was a really positive and he has raved about your mini bus driving so that's that that must be good to hear he has yeah 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 he, he didn't say that i was also his starting center but he, he did mention that i was his, his bus driver um yeah and again i mean it's you know it, it's always great for for people, you know, when they hit those very high levels, they do um, almost to remember where they come from. And, and that's what I always try to to remember when, you know, when people say to me, you know, obviously the most recently about, you know, my success of, of, and the honor of being given the, the Euro Cup final, the Euro basket final. But I was also given the the second leg this year of the, the Euro Cup final. 
So, you know, my season this year has been absolutely incredible. And, you know, sometimes when I kind of, I don't know, daydream a little bit about where, you know, the level of some of the games that I've done, I always try to remember where I've come from. And, you know, um, interesting during the season, I think I'd done a, I think it was the semi-final of the EuroLeague women's competition. I'd done that on, I think, a, a Wednesday. On the Friday, I went and did a, a local league game. On the, the Monday after, I did a, a women's local league game. And, you know, the girls talking and, you know, people generally say, oh, Martin, where have you been, you know, recently? And uh, I remember at the Maid Marian game, the, the women's game on the Monday. Oh, have you done any games recently, Martin? Well, actually, yeah, I did the, you know, the, the EuroLeague women's semi-final last week. And they, they were kind of laughing about it. You know, you, you go from, from that level and then, you know, you, but you're still able to, to come and referee and, and be part of a women's local league that's, you know, got 12 teams in it. And I think that's really important to um, to always kind of understand. I know my wife, she's uh, obviously very proud of what I've done, as am I. Um, but I try not to mention it too often, whereas my wife's willing to tell everybody. And um, <laughs> again, I mean, it's it's great, but uh, I need to I need to keep my feet on the floor, let's say, um, you know, because it's it's quite easy to make a mistake, uh, you know, miss something important. Uh, we had a, a, a commissioner and a, a whole set of referees um, leave Eurobasket for uh, a mistake that they made. And, you know, that really brought it home to me. That was in the group stage. That really brought it home to me just how important, um, you know, concentrating and, and making sure that you you really do do the job that you're there to uh, to do to the best of your ability well it was quite some tournament it's been quite some time congratulations again on your um elevation success continued success out in the road flying the flag and um thanks for joining the the mvp cast martin thank you mark let's say it's a it's an honor to represent gb and um you know hopefully i'll continue for for a few more years but uh yeah thank you very much it's been uh it's been nice to somebody to uh, to ask me about it, let's say. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. That is it for this edition of the MVP cast. Don't forget you can download the podcast or subscribe on every known podcast platform to man. If you want to follow us on social, you can head to Twitter at MVP underscore 24-7 or search us out on other platforms. We will have another edition of the podcast very, very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening and it's goodbye. <laughs>